Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the World's Greatest Podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, baby. We are back. It is just me and Stan this week. Jim is having a meeting in Qatar with Man City's owners to discuss the January transfer window. I know they've really liked what he's been saying on the pod and they want to get his two pence. Stan, isn't that right? Yeah, they do. Yeah, he's looking at um, looking at bringing in a few few lads in from Wigan Athletic. He's, he's been scouting there recently, so he's he's, he's made a presentation uh, and he's going to present it to uh, to the Abu Dhabi lads. Mm, that's weird. I didn't know Gary Teal was still playing. But no. moving on, um, <laughs> we we need to discuss the England group. We made it out top spot, not to the bookies' surprise and not to our surprise, Stan. But quickly, what do we think of England's way out of the group and is it as well as it probably could have gone? I think so, yeah. I mean, I, will, I mean, not factually. We could have got nine points from nine. We got seven points instead and, and we scored, was it nine goals and conceded two? So you you can't get much more better than that apart from obviously winning that USA game that was a nil-nil. But, you know, you win your first game, you win your last game and, and you're through. You can afford to draw one of them and, and obviously we did. We ended up topping the group. Thought it was good performances in the Welsh game and the Iran game. We did drop off a bit in the USA game. It was very frustrating at times in terms of maybe the bravery and, and the not the riskiness necessarily, but more the bravery, to be honest, being able to for our midfielders to take it off our defenders and to try and play those balls through the lines. I thought we were a bit edgy. And in that one particular game, it was more don't lose rather than we have to win, which, you know, in the end ended up being correct because we beat Wales comfortably with a 3-0 at the end. Obviously, Iran was 6-2, which I think was the last time we spoke to you was previewing that game. Um, so that was 6-2, like I say, nine goals scored, two conceded, and two of those being when you're 4-0 and 6-1 up in, in, in the opening game. Uh, you know, it's it's very encouraging. No, it is. And to see after the Iran game, because I know me, you and Jim, when we was watching it, a big gripe of ours from that Iran game was that he didn't shuffle the pack as much as we probably would have liked to have seen, given the scoreline and the probability of us losing that game when it started to go the way that it went. But credit where credit's due, he, he has started to do that. Uh, and people, uh, obviously, were thinking that it would be to our detriment, obviously, with the quality that we've seen so far. But it's looked like that we're actually managing that load well at the minute. But is there anything so far that you think maybe is a problem for England, whether that be overconfidence, whether that be the opposition we face so far going into Saturday? What do you think? Uh, it's a weird one, really, because like I say, we obviously we've we've beat Senegal as well. We haven't even mentioned that. That was three 0 So another clean sheet there, making it twelve scored, which are you know the highest scorers, averaging three goals a game over the four games is, is brilliant. And we've got the most clean sheets as well, uh, which uh, we'll speak about France. But they've conceded; they've not got a clean sheet in any of the games yet. So encouraging again, but. Um, not really. It sounds a bit daft saying all that and me still being worried about the defence. But I still, do. I mean, I look at our attack. You can play <clears throat> Saka, Sterling. Uh, we've seen Rashford. We've seen Foden do really well. I don't think it really matters. It's horses for courses or whoever's on form. Uh, you know, they can either start and win you it or, as we've seen before, they can come on and make a difference as well. Midfield's brilliant. I think Rice was brilliant against Wales. I thought Bellingham was <clears throat> comfortably man of the match against against Senegal. I don't think many teams actually do us on paper on midfield. It's arguably the best at the tournament, maybe, up there with uh, with Spain and Brazil. Um 
but it's a defence that worries me. Although, like I say, we've played four games and we've we've kept three clean sheets out of those four. But I just still think that against the elite opposition, it, it could really hurt us. And obviously, we're going to find that out on Saturday against France. But if we if we manage to shut them out again and get through that one, then I don't think it sounds ridiculous. But I don't think there really is many weaknesses at all if we can shut France out and go into the semis with a clean sheet against them. I mean, Cook, yeah. sorry, you, you mentioned before, Cook, about the squad and wanting to see more players. Are there any, I'll ask you two questions here, is there anybody that's played that has done better than you thought or like you never thought they'd get in that for you they've got to start? And is there anybody that still hasn't played yet that you think should be should be playing more often or should maybe be in your 11 for Saturday? I mean, for for players that I don't, I don't think there's anyone other than Bellingham who for me, has took that shirt and there's no chance of him losing it at, at this point. I think that we're speaking about on the pod, Jim mentioned, is Bellingham a guaranteed starter? I mean, you said, yeah, he definitely is on current form for Borussia Dortmund and what we've seen this season. And I think that he's gone up a level in this tournament and there's a reason why Real Madrid are heavily linked with him and heavily after someone who could potentially be the best English midfielder of all time because it's I know I don't want him to fall into the Deli Alley category, but we've never seen a player really for England in that midfield take a tournament and the team by the scruff of the neck and the responsibility and playing with the maturity that he does. So for the first question, I'd say Bellingham has to start because he's our most informed player and he's a player that we trust and look up to at the minute. And the fact that he's only 19 is just it's mad. It's mad, but it's class for us and just shows if he gets the chance, then he's not gonna give it up. And Credit where it's due from yesterday. I was very anti Jordan Henderson when I seen the team yesterday because I thought we do, we don't need it. We genuinely don't need it. And what have we what have we took Phillips for if we're not going to start him? And yeah. he's obviously next next choice because he loves Phillips. So, but he's but he scored the goal. Like I said, credit where he's due. He's just he's a safe pair of hands, Henderson, and and that's my problem sometimes with this England team. The word safe and. And the handbrake, I feel like it was still kind of on against Senegal when it didn't really need to be. I was extremely shocked that Marcus Rashford didn't start. It, for, for me, that was a massive slap in the face from Southgate. He was fantastic against Wales and and then gets a, a cameo appearance. But I think he'll start against France, especially with the situation with uh, Raheem Sterling. And, and I'll ask you about that. Obviously, not an ideal scenario for England. Anyone who doesn't know, Raheem Sterling has had to fly back to England uh, because his house has been burgled while I believe his family was in in the property. So that's terrible news. But do you think, obviously we know Sterling, how good he is and how impactful he is for England. But even for the squad, do you think that disturbs the squad? Him not being there is obviously being in that leadership role. Yeah, potentially. Obviously, you're losing a lad there that's been in the England setup for the best part of a decade now and, and, and you know, uh, scored loads of goals for us at, at Euros, was probably our best player. But I think you've got some lads stepping up to it now. I mean, we will miss him. There's no doubt about that. Whether it'll affect them too much, I'm not so sure because, uh, you know, despite the age of some of these lads that are there, they're still experienced in terms of they've been starting and playing in, in the Premier League teams or for Bellingham, you know, uh, 
your Bundesliga team. They've been playing in the Champions League and the uh, you know at least the Europa League, and, and they've been in tournaments for England before. Whether that's the World Cup 2018, where obviously we got knocked out in the semis, or the last one where we where we lost the final on penalties. I think most of these lads have been involved in that, and I don't think uh, a lot. Is, is going to change it either way in terms of, you know, I think I think they're all pretty much set. They're all confident in themselves. And you mentioned about the handbrake and I do partially agree. But I, I do think a lot of it is because we're so used to watching Premier League football, which is so different to the international football. I mean, there's not many teams that have ended up winning tournaments that you've watched and gone, they were like really good to watch and comfortably the best team. I mean, even when Spain won it in 2010, they scored eight goals. I thought France in World Cup 2018 at times were really safe. Uh, Italy, they got they won the semi on penalties, they won the final on penalties. So sometimes in international football, with it just being obviously three group games, four knockout games, it's more about being safe than being sorry. So, um, yeah, really good for England. I mean, for me, uh, I agree with you. I think Bellingham's been brilliant. Uh, but I, I do actually think Henderson's a how that with with the last two games, I thought he was good against Wales, good against Senegal, and he got his goal as well. I think he's a player now that has to start really, especially in this game against France. I think you've got to go with that three. Me and me and Jim, and I think yourself spoke about that anyway, saying that when we do get to the latter, we play a big team. He probably will play a flat midfield three of three out and out central midfielders, which you know we saw it a bit earlier than we thought. But Henderson, Bellingham, and Rice—it's complemented each other really well, and we've controlled games, but. I just think uh, maybe Henderson can replace Sterling's leadership in that sense in terms of Sterling's out and you push Henderson in there. I think Henderson's intangibles are something that's so underrated uh, in, in football and, and is something that I'm sure the younger lads in that team when the going gets tough, which it will against France, it's not going to be easy. Uh, you know, they'll be very grateful that he's there on the pitch talking them through it. Yeah, they will. And um, like I said, I wasn't in favour of him starting in this game. He scored the first goal, which fair enough, but... I think we also need to be realistic of the opposition. Like Senegal are not great. They're, they're not a great side. No. They were missing three out of four of the best players due to injury or suspension. And this game, it, it was won before a ball was kicked retrospectively because we, we should always beat them. And I think it's important that we we don't, as, as fans, obviously get a bit overzealous. And we'll go into a, a bit of the France discussion now because the going off... Julian Laurent and basically the, um, what do I want to say? The uh, anticipation, sorry, and the expectation for this France team is much lower because of all the injuries. So they basically were happy before a ball was kicked, basically to just get to the semis around there because of the low expectation because of the injury. Because realistically, they're missing five starters, France. And I think that this is a big opportunity for us because if I said to you, Stan, pre-tournament, we'll get France in the quarters, but they'll be missing five starters. You'd bite my hand off for that. Yeah, it's, it's probably, well, it sounds daft saying it's probably the best time to play them because we know how good they are, even with, even with those players missing. But no, I do agree. I mean, you looked pre-tournament, you look at that spine of Varane, Pogba, Kante, Benzema, it's only Varane that was in the squad and he wasn't fit until the last group game. Uh, now, there's arguments to be made that Giroud's just as good for France as Benzema is and I wouldn't really argue against that. But you look at the midfield again and I said before, I think if we play Henderson, Bellingham and Rice and they're up against Chouameni and Rabiot who obviously play in the Champions League, play for, for top clubs in Europe, I, I think we can we can win that battle there and, and a lot of international football games are, are won in 
in midfield, a lot of games in general, but specifically in you know international football, uh, with you know so such fine margins at this level as well. If you can dominate the game for any period, you create some chances, you score the goals, you can sit on it. Uh, obviously, like I said, with England having three clean sheets in four or two as well, you'd, you'd fancy us if we got the first goal to be able to see that out. But yeah, it's it's a France team. Obviously, Lucas Hernandez is missing too. Teo Hernandez is playing there. I think. Uh, Teo and Jules Koundé at full-backs can be got at. Koundé is a centre-back playing out there and, and Theo's really good going forward but hasn't been tested going the other way. But I mean, quite, uh, slightly different to England, probably the opposite is, is that you look at France and obviously Giroud's just broken the record so it seems a bit daft to say but they are almost a one-man team in terms of how they how their tactics are and who they go through and obviously who they go through is Kylian Mbappe scored two against Poland to, to see them through as, as, as three, one winners. Um, whereas I'd say that England is probably more of, well, we've had the most goals scored as, as 12. We've had the most goal scorers too. So obviously Saka scored, Bellingham, Henderson, we've already mentioned. Uh, Kane got a goal last night, Rashford scored, Foden scored. So England's probably got more of a, a selection, more, more of a, a group of players to be feared than Mbappe. I mean, do you think it's a case of stop Mbappe, stop France? No, I think it's a case of stop the supply to Mbappe and then you stop France because I think that we'll probably see France line up. England will have maybe quite a bit of the ball for the first half an hour or so, maybe lowering England into a bit of a false sense of security. Maybe England go 1-0 up and, and then France really come at us. But... I think that the way that they'll opt to play is on the counter. I think that he's obviously the, the main focal point of the counter, but the main thing is, it's, it sounds very simple, but it's in practice, it's absolutely not, is stop the supply and stop him really because, like I said, if you stop the supply, he's not going to get the ball at all. So I think that we've just got to be realistic about that, but we've not got a... Oh, we also have to be realistic and say that this France team, it might be missing five starters, but... In world football, they probably have the most depth out of any international squad. And it's really showed that the the midfield three, if they were to match us up, would be Chiuameni, Kamavinga and Rabio, which is as good as our midfield, in my opinion. It is as good as that. And that's saying a lot, given that two of them don't even start every time. So I think, yeah, stop the supply, we'll, we'll stop Mbappe. But like I said, it's well easier said than done. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, we'll talk about the teams in a minute, but yeah, it is a joke that that France can lose Pogba and Kante and they play two lads who are playing for Real Madrid and PSG most weeks as the replacements. So um, it's one of them. But to be fair, I think Griezmann's been really good as well in, in that link-up play. I've not, I've not been impressed with him in the groups, but I thought against Poland, he dropped in a bit more and received the ball closer to his own goal. Uh, which which obviously made that space for Giroud then to drop into with Mbappe and Dembele dovetailing. But I don't know if you've seen the um, the average positions map where pretty much everything's going down the left for France. About 51% of their attacks come down the left-hand side compared to obviously centrally or on the right. So very heavily left-hand side, which leads me on, Cook. Uh, let's do our starting 11s then. Tell me, formation, do we switch to a five or do we stick with our guns and crack on? Or, or do we do we fear for Mbappe more than we try and get at them ourselves? I I stick with the four, but I think Gareth changes. Okay. So go on, we'll do yours then. I'd go back, but keeper picks himself. I'd go Walker to uh, cancel out Mbappe. And I was really surprised to play it against Senegal, given the fact that he's just come off that injury. 
because I would have been saving him for this one. I'd go Maguire and Stones because realistically they've got continuity with each other at the minute and they're both playing well. Left back Luke Shaw again. I think he's doing really well so far. Uh, that one shot really, uh, really got him in my good books. Uh, and then <laughs> I'd go midfield three of Rice, Bellingham, and Mount for legs. And then I would go front three of Marcus Rashford, Phil Foden, and Harry Kane. Because if we need to manage the game later on, I'd sooner a Henderson come on than a Mount if we are on about like game management and experience and to calm maybe if we are losing, yeah. calm some of the younger boys down. And that's the reason why I've gone with Mount because he is energy. He, he will. He's not just going to stand there. And like I said, I'd rather Henderson come on to steady the ship and more senior players like that. Same with Trippier. Let's say Walker picks up an injury, God forbid, and Trippier comes on. I'm a lot happier with Trippier coming on than Trent, again, from a game management perspective. But your 11 stamp. Uh, it's a difficult one because I'm kind of in that middle ground between what would I do and what do I think Gareth's going to do. No, what would you do? That's all I'm asked about. And then you can say what you think he'll do. Uh, well, I would play, I'm torn on one area of the pitch. I would play the same formation. I'd go 4-3-3. I'd play the same team apart from I'm torn on so whether because I do think it's going to be two teams that are going to try and counter-attack each other I think I would play Saka because yeah. he works back very well and I think mm. uh, Teo Hernandez as we pretty much said is an auxiliary winger and Kyle Walker looked absolutely knackered coming into the 78th minute against Senegal uh, and this is going to be a completely different kettle of fish so I think we're going to need Saka coming back with him there uh, so my toss-up really is do I want Foden, somebody like Foden dropping off who might be able to hold the ball a bit better and not lose it as much? Or do I want somebody like Marcus Rashford, which gives us that option again, where if Saka comes back, you've got Rashford mm -hmm. on the break with Kane. Uh, Devil's advocate, Stan, could say I'm, legs when Hernandez is tired. If you're saying he's not been tested well, yet, maybe legs well, off the to be fair, that's what I'd probably do. I think there's no point change anything. I think if you beat Senegal 3-0, uh, I'd go with that flat free of Henderson, Rice, Bellingham I spoke about and I'd I'd stick with Saka. I think he's going to be really important coming back and helping Kyle Walker. And I also think Henderson's going to be really important moving over to that right, like he's mm -hmm. done with Trent in those big games at Liverpool as well, coming over because, as I've already said, 50-odd percent of, uh, of uh, not Liverpool's, France's attacks have come down that left-hand side. Uh, whereas I think... Yeah, there's no point changing it for that one change, I wouldn't say. But like you say, if it's nil-nil, you know, 1-1 one, one or, you know, a bit edgy, even if we're winning, uh, you took Marcus Rashford on for 60, 70 minutes, they take the ball whilst we're winning. You've got a constant out ball then over the top against a half-fit Rafael Varane and, you know, two full-backs that, well, one full-back that's centre-back. No, no, and, no, no. Koundé, yeah, and uh, and a goalkeeper in Laurie who's prone to flying out and completely missing the ball and, and whatever. So I'd probably keep it same 11 because, like I say, I mean, then again, if you'd have asked me after the Wales team what would I have played for Senegal, I would have said the same 11 and he made one change. So it wouldn't surprise me if he does bring Rashford in for Foden or something to think more of the counter-attack. But no, i keep it the same. Keep Foden's tricky feet in there, give us something to, you know, the ball can stick up there rather than just having sprinters in Saka and Rashford getting up and down the pitch. Let's have somebody that can work well with Kane, work well with Bellingham, all three of them linked up for Kane's goal. And uh, yeah, same 11 for me. Yeah, and i tell you what is good to see, which we haven't always seen at major tournaments with England. The players that are in and out of the team are, and the players that haven't even played yet are all smiles. I've seen Connor Cody, I think it was today in training, he's just like beaming. 
Like even though he's not he's not kicked yeah. the ball yet, and that I think that's ever so important. Uh, the same like Gallagher players like that, uh, Ben White before he had to go home, they all looked like they was having a, a really good time, even though they're not playing. And it's good to see that, for example, Mason Mount been taken out of the team past two games, and we've not uh, and the same and the same with Sterling. To be honest with you, we've not seen dummies toys out the pram from anybody from anybody same with Rashford he could have he could have kicked up a fuss and he, he probably had a, a right to after the Wales game that he didn't start but I mean it's good to see that Southgate's man management in, in that respect is keeping them all very happy and very that it is very much yeah. a team achievement as opposed to I, oh he's playing and I'm not yeah I actually think they're two of they're probably the two biggest things that Southgate's changed with the England squad and obviously how the fans feel about it over the last three tournaments. I think the first one, you're absolutely right, is that his man management is, is brilliant. I mean, for what some people might think he lacks in other departments in terms of, you know, people worrying that we're giving Southgate this golden generation and he's going to bottle it or whatever. You know, you can't doubt his man management, like you've said. Certain players coming in, coming out, you know, everybody seems to be happy. Everybody seems to know the role, know that they're probably going to get that opportunity. It wouldn't surprise me if you even pulled Rashford and gone, look, I'm playing Saka instead of you against Senegal. But if we get through and we play France, you're going to be my guy on that break, getting in behind him. So he might be happy there. I know that's what Fergie used to do. He used to pull and go, you're not playing on Saturday because I want you for the Wednesday in the Champions League. And that keeps players and thinking, I've not been dropped, I've been rested. And little things like that for your confidence of your mentality is important. So that within the squad. And I think the second thing is, I mean... Within the squad, I mean, I saw Maguire talking before saying that, you know, obviously we respect France, but this England squad now knows how to win uh, in knockout games and, and in, in knockout major tournaments, which we have. We've reached the semi-final, lost in extra time and reached the final in these two tournaments. So we've shown that we can get through the groups and go deep. And I think what you mentioned before, picking up on that, is, you know, the fans' perspective of the mentality. We've seen the players' mentality change with Maguire saying that. But the fans saying... Probably a little bit harshly going, well, we've only played Wales, Iran, America and, and Senegal. But the, there are games that before Gareth Southgate, like England managers and England squads before would have made a meal out of, maybe finished the group second and ended up playing, I don't know, Netherlands, you know, the other day instead of the USA who finished second. So I don't think we can take for granted that we now as fans uh, feel like we've got a squad and a group of players that should just finish first and should just beat Senegal because it hasn't been the case. And I mean, I know Jim wanted us to mention this and that is, you know, we, we're not going to promise anything with these pods, but obviously when England do go out, which I'm hoping they don't go out and they them going out is, is Harry Kane lifting the trophy on December the 18th. But when they do go out, I'm sure we'll do a pod. But uh, if they do go out this weekend, uh, Jim just wanted us to mention that it probably will be Gareth Southgate's last game. I did say that, to, and I'm saying that to Jay before the tournament. I think this is his last one anyway. I think you should only ever get three. I think if you're heading into your fourth or your fifth as a manager, probably going to get stale. You're probably going to get found out by holding on to players that have done well for you in the past. So uh, even if he wins it, then you go out on a high. And if he doesn't, you know, he, he goes out looking back at a team that's still you know, got gears to go up into in terms of the age of the squad. And, and, you know, you look back at three tournaments there and even if we do go out, we've gone out in the semi, the final and the quarterfinal of three tournaments. So, um, it's, I mean, I can't remember the last time England have gone out consecutively, you know, for three three tournaments in a row in the knockout stages. I'm pretty much sure there's always been a group stage exit or, or something stupid in there. So if it is Gareth Southgate's last game, <clears throat> I'm sure we'll go over it after it. But um, yeah. 
thank you for everything, Gareth. But hopefully it isn't it isn't the end. Hopefully we've got another two or three weeks left of football. Okay, welcome back, listeners. Of course, there's only me and Stan this week, but we haven't left you high and dry with a game. I do have an 11 this week, but because it is just Stan, I am going to get him to do both sets of 11 and see how many you get. If you get them all right, tweet us. We may or may not reply to you if we can be fucked, but <laughs> if you've got them all right, I'm sure Stan can squeeze some busy time into his busy schedule to tweet you because he yeah. is solely running every social media page that we have. I'm so, not. <laughs> I don't do anything. <laughs> oh, you're so modest. You're so modest. <laughs> no, the um, the two teams that I've gone for, we like to keep it topical. And I have gone for the last time that England played France in major tournament football. And that is indeed Euro 2012. And Stan, I'm going to get you to start with the France lineup for this one. The yeah, enemy first. I, it, it bodes well because I thought the last time he played them was the Euro 2004 when Zidane scored two late goals to win it. So that, 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 that Lampard goal. I forgot, then I forgot that we even, uh, yeah. Was it a pen and a free kick or something to win it for? It was. Him? It was. He threw up before the penalty, didn't he? He did. Um, okay, sorry. France, 2012, uh, Laurie in that. Yeah, that's right. They played 4-1, 4-1. Okay if that helps probably doesn't I'm, I'll be missing some absolute screamers here um, there's a few dosses Edra. there lad oh yeah ever played okay uh, I think Nasri scored so I'll go for Nasri he did he played right mid I think Benzema was still playing he was uh, oh, Matuidi no no Matuidi no was Payet in it bench Oh, Kabai. Yep, Kabai was in the centre midfield with not a centre midfielder, but is playing centre midfield. Not a centre midfielder. Okay, so I don't think... I'll say Varane, but I don't, I don't think he was starting for him then. No, the, the rest of the back four is absolute Dosserville. An unorthodox centre mid. I'm trying to think back to FIFA, like Adil Rami and people like that. Well, he's in there. Did he start? Okay. Pamela Anderson's Me- boy toy for a bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, the, that Dosser is there next to him. Oh, okay. Uh, Sanya. Oh, not quite. Did play no. in the Premier League though, this guy at right back though. Debushi. It was Debushi. So um, you've got so far, Stan. Loris, the back four of Debushi, Rami, Mexes, Evra. You're missing a holding midfielder, an unorthodox centre mid, and a left mid. An unorthodox centre mid and a left mid. All right, he's a wide player playing midfield. Okay, Ben Arthur. Good guess, but no. Uh, Sissoko. No. Uh, oh, he might have given me clues played, there. Played for a top team in England, won the Champions League, won Premier League, FA Cup, right. League Cup. So there can't all be many then. All at Chelsea. Probably, right, so it's going to be Chelsea. Uh, these players played for Chelsea at one point. Both of them played for Chelsea at one point. Yeah. And different uh, times, but both at one point in the career. Maluda. Yeah, Maluda was the wide player playing centre mid. Really? Legs stand. Oh, no. He's them legs, you've got to remember. Someone's got a room for Kabai. And the DM played for Chelsea as well. Is he an yeah. orthodox defensive midfielder? He is, yeah. It's another clue. Man. Played for Pompey as well. Oh, uh, last Diara. 
Last Diara. So just to recap, yeah. the France, 4-1-4-1, 2012. Lloris, Debussy, Rami, Mexes, Evra, Diara playing in that single six. Nasri, the goal scorer. Kabai, Maluda, Ribery and Benzema leading the line. So, Stan, that was a relatively good effort given the amount of dosses that are in that France team. Yeah, it Won't be that many not... dosses at the weekend. I was going to say, they've come a long way. There's some good players in there, but a lot... Oh, we both are waiting to hear this England team. Oh, we both oh, come God. a long way. Okay, so, okay. England adopting a 4-4-1-1. Right. Um, <laughs> Joe Hart in that. Yeah, he was head and shoulders. Lescott played because he scored. He did. Uh, Ashley... Cole? Yep. JT? Yep. Right back. Oh, it's that horrible era. Glenn Johnson, I'm going to guess. Yeah, it was. Yeah. You're doing okay. well. You're heating up here. Midfield, Gareth Barry? No. No, Stevie G? Yep. Milner? Yeah, right mid. Because I remember Milner had a chance. He fell over his feet. I think he rounded yeah. the keeper and fell over his feet. Milner... Gerard, uh, Wazza, I think, was unfit. I think, uh, he was. I don't think he played in the Ukraine game. Was it like last group? Or, yeah. Uh, so left, no, he's not. So you're missing left mid, center mid, Cam, and then striker. But the person playing Cam oh, is a wide player. No, Lampard not in this. I think he was on the bench. Uh, wide player, God, we've had he's so playing much in the time position. Uh, Stuart Downing or somebody like that it won't be him um, it's not but they were teammates Ox, at one point Oxlade Oxlade was playing on the left but he was on the left clue. he so played with Downing John this Cole. number 10 nope at Aston Villa if that helps oh at Villa oh fucking hell uh, you could say he's a Downing. Swiss Army oh, knife of a footballer yeah there you go Ashley Young playing in that number 10 position Jesus Christ. Uh, I said we come a long way. <laughs> so who's on the right? Oh, Milner. So we need Give me Milner. So you need a striker and the Gerard's midfield partner. Okay. Gerard's midfield partner and a striker. 2012. Uh, Darren Bent. It's not Darren Bent. No. Still playing this boy in the Premier League. Oh, Jesus. Uh... And he's in my FPL team. Is it? Yep, in my draft. I don't, I don't know who you've got. Well, more fool you. I was just about to ask if it was English then. That would have been a good question, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> <Nathan>. <laughs> um, right, I don't know. We'll come back to that. It's not Carrick next to Gerard, is it? It's not, but he is currently managing. Like oh, He shit. is an active manager. Is it in the Prem or not? He's not with a club at the minute, but he's an active manager. Been sacked uh, this season, actually, in the Prem. Oh, shit, I can't... Scotty Parker. Scott Parker. Okay. Uh, so now you just need front. the front man. Up front, he's in your FPL and he's he's still playing in the Premier League. Still playing. Uh, fucking Some hell. Boy. Um, what club? Oh, well, that give, it, like, give it away, won't it? The, cl- uh, the clue I can give you, he's played for three Premier League clubs off the top of my head. Oh, shite. Okay. And one of them is Manchester United. Is it? Yeah. And he's still playing? Yeah. <clears throat> You'll kick yourself, you. 
I will kick myself. It's going to piss me off. Uh, people will be listening. I can't wait. People will hear and go, I can't believe you didn't get him, lad. Stan, I fucked up. Five Premier League clubs he's played for. Five Premier League clubs he played for us at one point. Yeah. Okay. He played uh, for one, two, three, four, five, six seasons. Oh, shit. He's still... Uh... Oh, hold on. Let me go through the teams in my head. Yeah, go to your mind, Palace. Spuds. He's 32. Shell. He played for us for six years. Everton. Through your academy, I believe. Through United's academy, 2012. And yes, no, it's not Kiko Makeda. Oh, Welbs. Welbeck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny Welbeck. So, <laughs> just to I'm recap, <laughs> go on, Sam. I thought of Brighton then and I was like, no, nah, they don't even have a striker. So that was good. Completely forgot he existed. Oh. Played really well against Bill's first game of season as well. Oh. <coughs> well, that... Yeah, I so like I said... Well. didn't even get storage. No. I mean, we've had a very few forgettable forwards over the years when Waz has been injured or whatever. But yeah, yeah like I said, we both come a long way before Saturday. And yeah, just to recap that team, 4-1. Uh, sorry, 4-4, four, 1-1. Four, one, one. Joe Hart, Ashley Cole, Julian Lescott, the goal scorer, John Terry, Glenn Johnson, midfield four of Oxlade Chamberlain, Scott Parker, Stephen Gerrard, and James Milner. <laughs> Ashley Young in the centre forward slash cam position, and Danny Welbeck leading the line for the Free Lions. Oh, my skin just crawled multiple Crap. times reading that out. But, we just heard that team, and our only moment with this current England team is that we might put a handbrake on a bit, haven't we? Okay, now. Were they moaning, or should we play Rashford or Foden, or should we play him or him? Fucking hell. I'll tell you what, spoiled now, Cook. Spoiled, and we don't know it. We actually are. We've become everything we hate. Yeah, we have. We've become the Germans. Fuck. Fuck fucking hell, Kanye. Fuck. Right, listeners, it is unfortunately that time of the episode, the time where we do have to love you and leave you, but I'm about to tell you where you can find us when we're not making pods. So if you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, there are social media. You can do so by using the handle cookiepodcast1. That's cookiepodcast followed by the number one. You can get us on YouTube. Just type in, that's the way the cookie crumbles. We're there in thick, in thick form, in clip form. And you can find us on TikTok by using the handle The Cookie Podcast. That is The T-H-E Cookie Podcast. So that has been episode 160 of the pod. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. See you then. Come on, England!